Hello, I'm Daryl Root, and this is News Folder 19, the podcast that Joe Biden can't understand. Oh, wait, he can't understand anything, can he? He's just a Muppet whose strings are being pulled by the military establishment and corporate America. Today, I'll be covering some money news, environmental news, and how roads are related to abortion in Texas. But first, please support the sponsor, Camp Ridger Seasonings, at CampRidger.net. Prices start at $8 for the first one cup container and drop to $7 per container if you buy four or more. Shipping is available throughout the United States. All blends are salt free so you can salt to your own personal taste. That's CampRidger.net and that's R-I-D-G-E-R, CampRidger.net. With that, let's get right into the news. News story number one. In money news, importers of coffee to the European Union are starting to scale back purchases from small farmers in Africa and beyond as they prepare for a landmark EU law that will ban the sale of goods linked to the destruction of forests, allegedly a cause of climate change. Industry sources said the cost and difficulty of complying with the EU deforestation regulation, which comes into force late in 2024, meant it was already having unintended impacts that could, in time, reshape global commodities markets. Cited was a drying up of orders in recent months for coffee from Ethiopia, where some 5 million farming families rely on the crop. They warned that sourcing strategies being adopted by companies in advance of the law risk increasing small-scale farmer poverty and raising prices for EU consumers. Under the EUDR, Importers of commodities like coffee, cocoa, soy, palm, cattle, timber, and rubber, and products that use them, must be able to prove their goods did not originate from deforested land or face hefty fines. Sad to say, this was already done in the U.S. in the flooring industry well over a decade ago, with costly side effects. Hardwoods, bamboo, and cork used in flooring had to be able to prove all their products were sustainable. Everyone along the line had to prove it, from the harvesters, to the mills, to the manufacturers, to the dealers, to the installers, of which I was one. Basically, it was a written statement handed on down the line that everyone used to say, Oh, see, as far as I know, it's okay. Was this ever enforced? I have no idea. I was never penalized, nor were any of my dealers, but what I do know is this. It jacked up the price of wood flooring quickly. Real wood flooring prices skyrocketed to the point where most wood flooring products now are actually wood byproducts. The European Commission said it has several initiatives to help producing countries and smallholders meaning small farmers, comply with the EUDR, including one where the EU and member states pledge $76 million to that end. So basically, they're going to pay you not to grow something. Guess where all that money's coming from? Yep, out of your pocket if you're an EU consumer, and that will even expand to the U.S. because we do buy products from Europe. So yeah, 
expect to pay more for coffee. The story then goes into tracking procedures and how many coffee farmers would have trouble collecting such data. Small farmers usually don't have the tech to do so. What this amounts to is this, eliminating the small farmer for the corporate farmer who has the abilities to follow such law. In other words, corporatocracy reigns supreme. You combine this law with the fact that coffee production will be lower in the near future due to weather issues that have been going on around the world, especially in Brazil, and you have a recipe for higher-priced coffee and maybe an investment opportunity. Personally, the last time the weather was bad for coffee a number of years back, I invested in coffee. I made a nice little bundle on it. I mean, not a lot, but it was a good investment at that time, so... Now may be the time. News story number two. In more money news, some of the world's largest shipping firms, including Maersk and CMA CGM, will now be imposing extra charges after they reroute ships around Africa in response to Houthi attacks on vessels in the Red Sea. as worries about disruption to global trade grow. Leading freight shippers have suspended the passage of vessels through the Red Sea that connects with the Suez Canal, the quickest sea route between Asia and Europe. Instead, they are directing ships around the Cape of Good Hope at the southern tip of Africa, adding about 10 days and 3,200 miles to a journey that would normally take about 27 days from China to northern Europe. Citing severe operational disruption, Mayor said it was imposing an immediate transit disruption surcharge to cover extra costs associated with the longer journey, plus a peak season surcharge from January 1st. How will that affect goods here in the U.S.? Containers bound for the east coast of North America will be charged an extra $500 each, according to the Maersk company. For anyone that might be listening in Europe, Maersk said that a standard 20-foot container traveling from China to Northern Europe now faced total extra charges of $700. Depending on what's in those containers, it could be a trivial amount per item, to a lot per item. The United States has announced a multinational force to patrol the Red Sea, but shipping sources say details have yet to emerge and companies continue to avoid the area. In a message to customers, logistics firm C.H. Robinson Worldwide said it had rerouted more than 25 vessels to southern Africa over the past week. That number will likely continue to grow due to ongoing war risk in the Red Sea and the drought in the Panama Canal. What does all this mean? Besides higher prices depending on what you buy, it means you should buy American-made as much as possible. Products can be trucked or arrive via train in a matter of days, not weeks. Buying American means you don't have to worry about politics halfway around the globe affecting what you want to buy. Granted, some things can't be made in America. We don't have bananas or coconuts or the aforementioned bamboo and cork flooring. That's not possible in America. And numerous other products. 
But what we can make here, we should. Semiconductors and electronics run the world. Those without a doubt need to be manufactured here. It's a national and economic essential. And maybe most importantly, if we got the hell out of the Middle East and stayed out, maybe this Red Sea fiasco and other Arab-related issues wouldn't be a problem. Bring our men home. Let's get the hell out of the Middle East. New story number three. In environmental news, Canada will require all new automobiles to be zero emission by 2035 as the country looks to curb its fossil fuel output. Environmental Minister Stephen Gilbeau, Gilbault, I don't know how you pronounce his name, I'm not French, outlined a federal government's plan on Tuesday requiring auto manufacturers to increase the share of fully electric or plug-in hybrids sold in the coming years. Because, I'll get to that shortly. The electric vehicle availability standard will require that one-fifth of the vehicles sold in 2026, again in Canada, be either fully electric or plug-in hybrids. That figure will increase to three-fifths by 2030, and then by 2035, all vehicles offered for sale in Canada will need to be zero emission. Emergency vehicles, however, will be exempt. Let me repeat, emergency vehicles will be exempt. Why? Because they know EVs aren't dependable over long distances when the weather is minus 20 degrees Celsius, which is about minus, I don't know, 15 Fahrenheit. Neither will passenger vehicles be reliable at those temperatures. It's 183 miles from Calgary to Edmonton. A car with a 300-mile range may only get 150 miles in such cold weather. Do the math. Do you want to be stranded in minus 20-degree weather without a working car? Of course not. Now imagine trying to get to Winnipeg from Sasaskia from Saskatoon. That's like 480 miles. The automobile industry has pushed back against the regulations, arguing that Ottawa's goals are unrealistic given the higher cost of electric vehicles and the patchwork nature of charging infrastructure across the country. Well, of course it is. So they build a caveat. What is it? Plug-in hybrids that can drive at least 55 miles on an all-electric charge before switching to fossil fuels will be eligible for sale as a zero-emission vehicle. Yeah! You can emit carbon and you can still be considered zero-emission. So now we are redefining the meaning of zero-emission. Well, isn't that nice? Why? Because I have stated in the past, zero emission is a fallacy. It's a hoax. Slightly more than 1 in 10 new vehicles sold in Canada in the first 9 months of this year were electric, about half of what would be required under the new mandate in 2026. However, both Quebec and British Columbia sales targets for zero-emission vehicles have quickly exceeded those targets because 
Both provinces have had additional financial incentives for buyers. In addition, Canada also announced significant subsidies for battery-powered production facilities. So in other words, we'll bribe you into being stupid and being left stranded 30 miles from your destination in Edmonton in the middle of winter when it's minus 20 when frostbite is but 10 minutes away. Yeah. That's how government works with their brains. With that, it's time to take a break. Be back in about 40 seconds. Only 15% of podcasters will ever earn a single penny in profit. Yet more continue to record for one reason. They enjoy informing and entertaining. If you'd like to support this show, visit newsfolder19.com and click on the Buy Me a Coffee or Merchandise links. All donations are greatly appreciated. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to News Folder 19. Just a quick shout out to Danheim who provides all the background music for this podcast and to Susan Kennedy who does the voiceovers. Also, please subscribe to this podcast on your play- favorite platform. I am on Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Audible, and a number of others. If you're looking for merchandise such as t-shirts, sweats, and hats, please visit cafepress.com slash newsfolder19. That's cafepress.com slash newsfolder19, and thank you in advance. With that, let's get into the final two stories. News story number four. In more environmental news, the cause of a wave of bitingly cold air that swept into China and rewrote seasonal records for low temperatures, yes, low, not high, may lie further north, a potential weakening in the wall of fast-moving air currents that normally hold back blasts from the Arctic. A powerful cold wave entered China via Xinjiang on December 13. It quickly headed east, encasing the Chinese capital, Beijing, in icy weather, and within days crossed the Yangtze River and brought rare snowfall to hilly regions as far south as Guangdong. Cold winters are common in China, but the significantly lower temperatures and the longer duration of the current cold wave suggest a possible leak in the circular band of cold air moving around the Arctic, known as the polar vortex. In recent years, meteorologists have blamed the buckling of the polar vortex, which moves at bullet train speeds from west to east at altitudes of up to 30 miles, for the bitter cold that periodically descends on North America. Warming leads to a weakening of the polar vortex in the Arctic, making it easier for cold air within the vortex to move southward, contributing to the occurrence of cold wave events, or at least that's what scientists now want you to believe. Severe cold waves are not contradictory to global warming, according to a researcher. However... Apparently, severe heat waves are a viable indicator of global warming. Isn't that nice how the environmental agenda wackos can talk out both sides of their mouth? 
Cold doesn't mean warming is non-existent, but warming does verify warming. You know, cold should verify cold if warming verifies warming. That's all I'm going to say. Sea ice extent has continued to decline, and Arctic temperatures have risen at least twice as fast as global temperatures, possibly even faster since the year 2000. So I guess possible is now considered a trust-the-science term. The 12-month period ended September 2023, marked the sixth warmest year in the Arctic since records began in 1900, which I might add is a drop in the bucket of time. And why is it a 12-month period ending September instead of December? It's because global warming people pick whatever numbers they want to use. In the city of Datong in the Shangxi province, it's more than 3 million residents endured temperatures as low as minus 28 Fahrenheit last Wednesday. Another city froze at minus 10 degrees Fahrenheit, a new record low for the industrial city southwest of Beijing. A record low. Bet you didn't see that on any American newscast. I'm sure that it got filtered out. I had to go outside of the U.S. to find this news. And last but not least, news story number five. In state politics, a string of Texas localities have passed controversial ordinances banning so-called abortion trafficking. And another city may soon join their number. And this time when I say trafficking, I mean actual traffic, as in cars and roads. Over the last several weeks, the city of Amarillo, Texas, has become embroiled in a debate over whether to pass a ordinance to, get this, block people from using the city's roads to transport pregnant people seeking abortions in other states. <laughs> Anyone that has listened to this podcast knows I'm against all abortions except when the mother's life and or long-term health is at risk or some other unusual medical necessity. However, banning pregnant women from such roads that take them out of state in order to do something that is legal in that state is completely idiotic. This type of ordinance has sprung up as part of a new anti-abortion tactic to undermine people's ability to flee states with abortion bans. In other words, you are a pregnant prisoner slash slave. From the council discussions, it was not always clear what exactly each draft ordinance would do. A city government staffer declined to provide copies of the drafts without a public records request. So, so much for political transparency, huh? You have to beg for it instead of just being told. In October, Lubbock County became the largest Texas locality yet to enact an ordinance restricting people's ability to transport others for abortion-related travel. Idaho has also passed a separate law banning abortion trafficking, which would block people from taking minors across state lines for abortions without parental permission. A judge froze that law early in the year, despite that I actually agree with that latter law, the Idaho law. All abortions dealing with minors should require parental permission. 
I can't believe I'm about to give abortion seekers advice, but here it is. After all, you should be able to figure out this on your own. But then again, yeah, well, who knows? <laughs> if you're having sex without any birth control, maybe you're not the brightest person to begin with. But anyway, here it is. If you want an abortion, keep your mouth shut, buy a ticket to some cheap, stupid event in another state, Two, if you want to have a person with you, travel out of state with tickets in hand, and get your abortion, come back, continue to keep your mouth shut. Best way to do that, stay the hell off social media. So yeah, there's my advice. If you want an abortion and you live in Texas, keep your mouth shut. Don't let anyone know what you're doing. You know, that's good advice for everybody and 90% of what goes on in the world. Just Stay private. You know, you don't have to put your whole life on social media. With that, I'm going to call it another podcast. You know the mantra? Question authority and always be free. Thank you for listening to News Folder 19. All rights are reserved and unauthorized use is prohibited. However, you may share the podcast links. Till next time, have a great day.